0: Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please, think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators?
1: Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we share stories of people who experienced horrible things and try to imagine what they went through, as well as look for opportunities that could have made a difference, and encourage people to help others that are being abused.
0: It was March 23, 2015, in the early afternoon. Around 1.55pm, the police department in Vallejo, California received a call from a man named Aaron Quinn, telling them that his girlfriend had been taken by masked intruders and that he didn't know where she had gone. He told them he had witnessed the whole kidnapping, but couldn't report it right away because he had been blindfolded, drugged, and threatened not to call the police. The following few days would be a roller coaster for Aaron, the investigators, and the community.
1: Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. And uh, as always, Burrito is here cleaning the litter box. So we're really grateful for that. It's always right on time.
0: <laughs> yep, right when we sit in our chairs.
1: Starts scraping and digging. But uh, yeah, you know how it is with cats. How are you doing, Rosie?
0: I'm feeling good. It's a beautiful day. It was yeah. paddle boarding paddleboarding earlier yesterday. Oh, yeah. Still on that high.
1: Yeah, it was a good day yesterday. You you got to do what you love, I got to do what I love, mm-hmm. and we came together at the end and did what we both love. So, anyway, that was pretty corny. <laughs> <laughs> that was corny. So, um, tonight we are talking about a case from California... And it's a pretty interesting case. It's got some twists in it and...
0: Maybe some turns?
1: Yeah. Let's set the stage first.
0: Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn were a good-looking couple in their late 20s. And they were pretty well off.
1: Yeah, they both worked in the physical therapy field. And they actually met one night when they had gone out with a bunch of other therapists. And they just really hit it off. And it sparked their romance this was about seven months before the story we're about to tell.
0: They lived in a yellow two-story house in a very nice neighborhood on Mar Island in Vallejo, California.
1: Uh, Mare Island? You like the horse?
0: Oh yeah, that would make sense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And this is a suburb on the northern side of San Francisco, just to put it in perspective. And it was a relatively safe area to live it was described as a quote unquote white picket fence neighborhood.
0: It sounds wonderful.
1: Yeah, or boring, depending on who you are.
0: Well, it's in California and it's by San Francisco. So I would say True. it's a win win.
1: Yeah, if you have water.
0: <laughs> exactly. Around 3 a.m. on March 23rd, 2015, Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn were awoken from sleep. They heard what sounded like people rustling around in their home, which would yeah. be terrifying.
1: Yeah. Then they saw red dots on the wall, like some kind of laser sight. So... Wow. Even more terrifying.
0: Soon after, a man dressed in a black wetsuit came into their bedroom. He told them to wake up and assured them that this was just a robbery and he wasn't there to harm the couple. Then he left some ties at the end of the bed and instructed Denise to tie up her boyfriend Aaron.
1: The intruder basically forced her to tie his hands behind his back and tie his feet together. And to their shock, the masked intruder actually referred to Aaron by name. What? So they realized that this is someone that either knew them or knew of them and had been stalking and became familiar with them. So Mm -hmm. creepy.
0: The intruder kept asking if she was comfortable and then commended her for doing a good job.
1: And this would be a good time to say, don't patronize me.
0: (laughs) Don't patronize (laughs) me, Jim.
1: And that's how Denise said she felt. Like, why do you care? He's basically saying they're being good victims.
0: That's so weird. Yeah. Then he threw the couple into a closet. They waited there in terror, wondering what was coming next, hoping that this would just be a simple robbery.
1: But of course, it gets even worse.
0: The intruder took out some swim goggles and put them over the couple's eyes. The lenses were blacked out, so they were essentially blinded. And then they felt him put headphones on their ears, which was playing soft, calming music.
1: Yeah, so... Well,
0: that would be really terrifying. This
1: is something to imagine. And that's, this is music that would normally be soothing and relaxing, but in this situation, it's just playing creepy. I mean... Think of when you're watching a horror movie, what gets you more? When the music feels like it fits a scene, like it's, you know, terrifying music to go with a terrifying scene. Or when it's intentionally the opposite of what you're seeing. Like if you're watching something blow up to soft classical music, it invokes a much creepier feeling, for me at least. Like, Hmm. you know, I'm fascinated by the way the juxtaposition works like that. Like, what do you think?
0: Well, I don't think about when it blows up, but when like someone's getting hacked to bits and it's like, what's that creepy song? That really pretty slow song from like the fifties and now it's just like ruined forever from that creepy video game you played that one time? Remember?
1: No. You showed it to me. (laughs) Pretty much any song that sounds super innocent and is played alongside alongside video or images that are horrifying.
0: If you heard the um mr sandman that song
1: i'm sure it's been done
0: and then oh i can't even think
1: about it i know that's what i'm saying is like the they were going through this horrible situation Mm -hmm. and they were forced to listen to this soft soothing classical music which to me based on like movie trailers i've seen like that where it's showing just complete destruction and horror but playing some innocent-sounding song, Mm -hmm. it brings a new connotation to the song and makes it kind of creepy for you. Right. And that's what makes it feel so weird. You know, it's almost like the uncanny valley feeling. So this would be super creepy.
0: After this, the intruder forced them to each drink a cocktail. It tasted like cough syrup, but it didn't take long for them to start feeling woozy.
1: So, they'd laced cough syrup with some kind of sedative, and after this, the intruder actually tested their blood pressure. I guess oh, to make sure the sedatives were working correctly.
0: Suddenly, in Aaron's headphones, the music cut out, and a pre recorded voice played, informing them that if he resisted their demands, they would shock Denise with a stun gun or even cut her face. Then it said that this was a kidnapping. And they were going to take Denise.
1: This is such a terrifying type of threat.
0: A lot of thought went into this.
1: Mm -hmm. A lot of planning. It's easier to fight back if the consequence is possibly getting yourself hurt. Mm -hmm. But when it's this hostage type situation, threatening to hurt someone else, someone you love, it's got to be so much harder. Like, it's a lot easier to risk hurting yourself than risk hurting someone else, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, what can you do?
0: After this, someone carried Denise out and stuffed her into the trunk of a car and drove off. The sedatives hit Aaron and he eventually passed out. When he awoke, everyone was gone. He was terrified and felt groggy. Then he noticed that there was a camera in the house watching him. On the floor, there was a section marked with red tape. This Mm -hmm. is like like a Saw movie. Or no, wait, what's the one where they have to play the games? That is Saw, where it's like a giant yeah. game.
1: I don't remember ever seeing that, which...
0: I don't people. want to say it, because I don't want my parents to know. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> but I may have watched that as a naughty little kid.
1: That sounds about right, yep. <laughs> um. So, Heron was warned that if he went outside the confines of the red tape, they would hurt Denise. Again, using the threat of hurting someone he loves to control him.
0: After this, Aaron was in shock. He just sat there and waited. He didn't know what to do. He wanted to call the police, but he didn't want them to hurt Denise.
1: And this is what's so scary about hostages for ransom. The kidnappers took all the control away from Aaron because Mm -hmm. they have this insane amount of leverage. They're holding this person he loves. And I can't imagine having this decision looming over my head. Like, do I call the police and try to get help and risk hurting Mm -hmm. someone I love? Or do I just wait and go along with it? But eventually Aaron picked up his phone and typed in the numbers. And the thought that he might be killing Denise by pressing the call button was tormenting him. But he made the choice, and he called the police.
0: I think I would have called the police too. Also, can you imagine the like feel the feeling of not even being confined, but a piece of tape is holding you back? Isn't that weird? No,
1: I can't imagine. It's crazy like, what can this happen. whole situation. I can't even begin to know how I would react or what I would do. Yeah, it's, it's just so.
0: It's so insane. Movie like, <laughs> really. This and, reminds me so much of movie. A movie
1: and considering what a difficult situation this is the more we talk about it mm-hmm. the more it's like it just gets really crazy yeah the way this all went down so I don't want to spoil it
0: okay in the afternoon of March 23rd around 155 p.m the Vallejo apartment received the call from Aaron Quinn and immediately launched their investigation
1: I have a question did you say the Vallejo apartment? Did I? Uh, That's what I heard, but I'm sure you said department. Sorry. Okay. I just didn't hear your D.
0: They made their way over to the house and began dusting for prints and searching for evidence. Then they organized a massive search. Denise's father was in disbelief and actually appeared on TV, very distraught, and expressed how confused he was about why someone would come and take his little girl in the middle of the night.
1: That'd be so heartbreaking. Like, I can't imagine the anxiety and turmoil he was feeling because, as we'll see, this, this whole thing is just really confusing for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. So let's just keep going.
0: Police asked Aaron to come down to the station and answer some questions.
1: And of course, he wanted to do everything he could to help find Denise, so he complied.
0: After talking to Aaron, the detectives were not buying his story. What?
1: Yeah. Huh. It was apparently a bit too theatrical theatrical for them.
0: Okay. Yeah. They had been talking to Denise's father and telling him that her boyfriend was telling them a story that didn't make sense.
1: So they said it sounded like he was reading from a movie script.
0: Oh. What? That's what I said.
1: (laughs) I know. Well, that's how crazy this is. Oh, my gosh.
0: I had just said that.
1: Just... I mean, movie ideas come from people's minds just like plans to kidnap someone. Mm -hmm. So even if it sounds theatrical, you know, art inspires life. Life inspires art. That is
0: so deep. Like,
1: just because it sounds like it could be in a movie doesn't mean it's not realistic. Mm -hmm. But I suppose it's a little suspicious.
0: Burrito says hello to our Um. listeners.
1: Yeah, he thinks it sounds too theatrical.
0: (laughs) They detained Aaron, took his clothes away, and made him change into prisoner clothes. They put him in a tiny room with no windows or clocks, and they wouldn't even let him see his family. Then they interrogated him for 18 hours. By the end, they were convinced that he had murdered Denise and made up this elaborate kidnapping story to cover it up.
1: But of course, Aaron denied this. He told them he understood how crazy it sounded, but that what he told them is what happened. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine if he is telling the truth here, they just interrogate him for 18 hours?
0: I feel like... That's
1: not was, how you treat someone that needs your help.
0: You'll say anything to somebody if you're interrogated for 18 hours straight. Right. That's what crazy. is crazy.
1: What does Kate always say? Like, I could get you to admit to anything if I had an hour in a room with you. You know, <laughs> like, uh-huh. it's it's possible, but he didn't break after these 18 hours, so.
0: The police told Aaron, you're not a bad guy, you just did a bad thing. And if he kept telling them this crazy story, they were going to paint him out as a cold, calculated monster
1: i mean there is a reason those the husband did it shirts exist it's a very common thing i
0: feel like you want one of those shirts because you keep mentioning it
1: well it's a pretty popular shirt and Mm -hmm. a popular idea and in a lot of cases it's true Mm -hmm. and this is a scenario that would play out you know there was nothing found in their search and they have a funny feeling about this guy
0: then there was another twist The San Francisco Chronicle news outlet started receiving emails from an anonymous account just called Kidnappers. Well, that's suspicious.
1: Yeah, very basic.
0: The emails expressed regret over the whole ordeal and pity for the victims. But there was a recording attached to the email that sounded just like Denise. The voice said, My name is Denise Huskins, and I'm kidnapped. Otherwise, I'm fine.
1: So... If this really was Denise, which it sounded like her, it would mean that she's not really dead.
0: What a weird recording. Otherwise, I'm fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which, like, after this... Okay, the name of the account is so basic, they didn't find any evidence when they searched the house. Which, you'd think with all the equipment, Mm -hmm. there would be some evidence. And then, Denise was apparently fine, so... Like, if they were in on this together, she would be able to make this recording. And there was also a ransom note attached. So, Rosie, will you read that?
0: Yes. It says, Denise is well. We have a short recorded message so stating that I will format and send at some point. Are you able to obtain a cash advance from your bank card? If so, cash in the amount of 8500 from one account in cash in the amount of 8500 from the other account.
1: They actually forgot the R and other. So
0: it said oath. Yeah. <laughs> For your own safety, we do not wish to trigger the $10,000 reporting limit or other structured transaction regulations. You would be welcome to transfer what money you like back to the credit card. Why do what? ransom notes
1: always have such strange formal phrasing.
0: I know I'm I'm having a hard time reading
1: it. <laughs> but it just shows the level of thought apparently that went into this to think about the transaction regulations mm-hmm. or it could be someone knowing the limitations of like $8500 is a really strange and kind of low amount to ask for um a ransom, but at the same time This was a young couple they weren't super rich Mm -hmm. so like i guess it's a reasonable amount of money to ask for that they might actually get but we see here that the intruder was being careful just not to trigger anything that would raise red flags around their victim by keeping the payments low enough so that's what i'm going with there
0: Uh, so this was a confusing mess (laughs) Was it possible that Aaron was sending these anonymous messages in an attempt to make his story seem more legitimate? Or was Denise really kidnapped and being held for ransom?
1: So these are all very intriguing and a bit confusing questions. I'm confused. (laughs) And then there was another event that caused even more confusion in this case. So hold tight. Stay with us. It'll eventually all make sense in the end, but this is going to complicate things even more. So, Rosie, go for it.
0: On March 25th, 2015, two days after the disappearance of Denise Huskins, someone was working in their garden in Huntington Beach, California, the hometown of Denise's parents. A woman walked up to the gardener and asked to borrow a phone. She was calm and seemingly collected. The woman was Denise Huskins.
1: So, she's alive. Aaron didn't kill her. But how did she get all the way to Huntington Beach? That That's on the south side of California, between San Diego and L.A. And she went missing from a suburb of San Francisco on the north side. And if you're from another country, or if you haven't been to California it's a really huge state from Huntington beach to Vallejo is over a seven hour drive. So this was quite a shock that she would somehow end up in the town where her parents live. Right. You know, and this and she is,
0: seemed fine. She was calm. Yeah. And collected.
1: This is when some other <laughs> types of accusations started to stir up.
0: Now that Denise had reappeared, police wanted to talk to her to find out what happened but the questions they asked were a shock to denise
1: yeah so about these questions her father said they were asking questions you don't ask a victim Hmm. they were questions you ask a criminal according to her father so the questions were accusatory
0: a relative of denise's had just passed the bar test and he advised her to cut off communication with investigators and get a lawyer.
1: Which is a really smart thing to do, and everyone should do that in this situation. But of course, police looked at this and viewed it as even more suspicious, because why would she need a lawyer if she did nothing wrong? But as we've learned from Kate, it doesn't matter what actually happened. If you spend a few hours with a good interrogator you can admit to things that never happened and end up in trouble for something you didn't do. So get a lawyer.
0: <laughs> but now they shifted from thinking Aaron murdered her to believing that Aaron and Denise orchestrated this whole thing together and created a big hoax. They saw parallels between Denise and the story from the movie Gone Girl. Yeah. I remember this now.
1: Yeah, Batman was not it. Well, well
0: I didn't mean the that.
1: current Batman, okay. which is a whole nother discussion. But um, in Gone Girl, basically a woman... Oh, man. Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> spoiler alert for Gone Girl. But if you're this far, you probably already know. But three, two, one. A woman fakes her own abduction. <laughs> Sorry, my voice cut out there. Uh, fakes her own abduction and lets her husband take the fall for it. Mm-hmm. So... They started viewing Denise as the quote-unquote real-life gone girl. Hmm. And to be fair, there were some details in this case that were a bit fishy.
0: First, there was a letter given to Aaron demanding a ransom. Two payments of $8,500. But he never paid any of it.
1: So, why would they return her before receiving the ransom money?
0: Second, she resurfaced in her parents' hometown. 400 miles from where she was abducted why would a kidnapper oblige their victim and spend that much time in gas to drop her off a few blocks from her parents house
1: yeah seriously what are the odds of that i can see why this would be suspicious could she have literally just been hiding out at her parents house while this whole search was happening and her father was just playing along I mean, they could be waiting for the community to get together and pay the ransom. And when they found out that wasn't going to happen, maybe they just gave up on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: At least this is what the police believed.
0: Third, they were suspicious of Denise's calm demeanor during this whole thing. Because she wasn't freaking out, she appeared very
1: composed. And personally, I hate it when people tell the victim how they should be acting, you know? Mm-hmm. But. I guess body language can be a clue, like we saw with Todd, Todd Smith, that loser that cried on the news. Oh, yeah, him. Yeah. I think that's episode 58, if you don't know the story. But Denise wasn't thinking clearly at this point. She wasn't thinking about making a big splash for her reappearance. She just wanted to go home. I can't stand when people who have never been in this type of situation – try to tell the victim how they should act Mm -hmm. it's just despicable to me and it's why i never pretend that i can truly empathize and understand what they're going through you know Mm -hmm. because it's unimaginable if you haven't been through it
0: suspicion continued to swirl around the couple and the police even made some public statements about them Saying that they have wasted the community's valuable resources. That's can, rude.
1: Can you imagine that?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to talk about within the police department, but man. Right, yeah. It's kind of harsh.
1: The detective went on TV and flat out said, mm-hmm. Mr. Quinn and Ms. Huskins have plundered valuable resources away from our community. Mm. Just so blatant.
0: And even more, they publicly wrote it off as a hoax and announced that their investigation had concluded that none of their claims had been substantiated. (sighs)
1: So, this is crazy. At the time, even Nancy Grace had said, quote, verbatim, everything about this quote-unquote kidnap screams out hoax. So it was a pretty popular consensus that this couple was full of crap. And looking at a lot of the details, you can understand how they got there. But you can also see issues within the investigation and the biases that investigators were holding on to.
0: Hmm. After these statements from the police, some more messages were received from the kidnappers claiming credit for what they had done and demanded that they publicly issue a full an unequivocal unequivocal i knew it unequivocal <laughs> apology to denise and aaron
1: i'm sorry did i jump in too soon to correct you
0: oh i was working on i was working through it
1: <laughs> i'm sorry it's okay again though this fed into the suspicion the police originally had because why would a perp send self-incriminating messages after he's gotten away with something
0: that's very odd but perps have been known to want the glory
1: exactly If they were a narcissist, and wanted the credit, then that would make sense. But in that case, why would they defend their victims and ask for an apology? This is why I said before, this is a very confusing case, because it doesn't seem to add up, no matter what angle you look at it from. Like, with the information we've shared so far, the most sensible explanation is that this was a hoax that maybe they planned the whole thing Mm -hmm. she went and stayed at her parents house pretended to be missing hoping that the community would get together and scrape up the ransom and i don't know how they figured they would get it without blowing their cover i guess there is a hole in the conspiracy but
0: it doesn't seem to add up and you're pretty good at math (laughs) i am a joke. Get it?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I don't get it, but I'm sure it was fun. Add
0: up? Doesn't seem to add up. Oh. I just, it was on the top of my head. I I'm
1: actually. sure someone else will get it, but I don't.
0: Adding. Adding and subtracting.
1: I know, but what was the joke?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Math reference? <laughs> I don't know.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> so four months later, <laughs> there was another twist in this case.
0: Yes. There had been another home invasion with really similar circumstances. This one took place in Dublin, California, another suburb of San Francisco. It was very similar. The targets were restrained and blindfolded in the early morning hours by a tall, lean man in black clothing with a black mask. But this time, the man was able to find a way to fight the intruder.
1: Yeah. And thankfully, the intruder actually dropped a cell phone on the way out of the house.
0: Mm. This phone led them to a home in South Lake Tahoe, where they arrested Matthew Mueller. 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 He was a 38-year-old former Marine and Harvard-educated attorney.
1: Yeah, he'd actually practiced law up until 2012, but then had been disbarred.
0: Hmm. Police searched the house where they found Matthew Muller.
1: So we talked about a lot of reasons why Aaron and Denise's story sounded suspicious. Um, A lot of ways in which it could have been a hoax, I guess. And to be honest, while researching this, I found myself questioning their story. It really does seem too theatrical to be true, too many little strange coincidences. But when they searched Muller's house, they found the smoking gun. So, spoiler alert, it wasn't a hoax. Hmm. So, this is the piece of evidence that convinced me they had been telling the truth the whole time. Hmm. Or pieces of evidence.
0: First, officials found Aaron Quinn's laptop inside the home. Then, outside the home, in the trunk of a stolen white Mustang, they were there were blacked out goggles. Just like the ones Aaron and Denise described. With a blonde hair similar to Denise's hair, still stuck to them.
1: Of course, hair analysis isn't, um, you know, a thing, but all of these details come together too well to be, you know, a coincidence, I think.
0: They also found a blood pressure cuff in the car.
1: Remember Aaron told police they took their blood pressure after drugging them?
0: I still don't understand why Denise was dropped off in her parents'
1: neighborhood. Let's keep going. It's
0: so weird. They also found the address of Denise Huskin's parents' house still on the GPS history in the stolen car. Oh my gosh. Sorry about our cats. (laughs) Among these things, they also seized five drones, remote controls, and video cameras.
1: So, these are all pieces of tangible evidence... And as ridiculous as the story may have felt up to this point, this all supports the story that Aaron and Denise told police. And it was all found at the house where Matthew Muller was arrested. And, I mean, the house where the cell phone that was dropped at the scene of the other attack was led them to. So, you know, it's, it's not like... Because another thought that might cross your mind is, well, maybe they planted all this stuff at that house, but yeah. how, would they, how would they set up this guy going to attack another house mm-hmm. using the same tactics and then getting away and dropping a phone? It just, they couldn't have orchestrated all of this. So, hmm. and there was a lot more to Mueller's past that shows the kind of person he was.
0: Matthew Mueller was raised by two longtime educators He was recognized as a high achiever at Bella Vista High School, which he attended. He was even one of the youngest scholars ever voted onto the Harvard Law School faculty.
1: So to me, this seems like the kind of thing that could go to your head real fast and (laughs) feed your ego.
0: In my head, I was just thinking, Rudy, toot, toot
1: for you. (laughs) Oh, good for you.
0: (laughs) According to court documents, despite his academic success, he had gotten into some trouble. He had stolen data from a Bay Area law firm where he worked. And some of his clients viewed his legal services as incompetent.
1: Sounds like someone who wears a polo shirt. (laughs) This is interesting to me, though. It's kind of like in the office when Stanley took Ryan to the sales call. And despite being well-educated, business school and all that, Ryan didn't have the practical street skills to make a sale. You know, it doesn't matter how educated someone is. If they don't know how to use their knowledge, what's the point? But Muller even had a neighbor that talked about a memorable interaction he had with them.
0: The neighbor, Clint Weldon, told a story about a time when Muller's silver Toyota 4Runner was parked in the spot on the street in front of Weldon's home, where he usually parked to avoid blocking his wife's access in the driveway.
1: I can relate to that.
0: Yeah, seriously.
1: <laughs> our driveway is only wide up for one car, and I leave before Rosie and get home before her. So if I park in the driveway and you park behind me, I can't get out in the morning without moving your car. So I need to park on the street in it's front so of our house. I assume. What did you say?
0: <laughs> I I can imagine you in the morning being like,
1: ah. Yeah, it is frustrating when I have to move your car and yeah. then get in my car. <laughs> I mean, not the end of the world, but it's annoying okay so back i to the totally story. get why he would want that spot
0: when weldon asked muller to move his car so he could park in front of his house according to weldon muller got confrontational and even threatened to beat him up then he just walked into his house
1: now this was an overreaction that shows what muller was like but i also understand both sides like weldon doesn't own the street. It is a public street parking spot.
0: You kind of feel like we own that spot, though. I mean, it's right in front of our house.
1: Well, yeah, but we don't, and I can't get... I can't, like, you know, say someone else can't park there, even if I'm secretly upset when they do. Like, it, I don't own that street any more than anyone else that pays taxes in this town, so... Mm. Okay. But whatever. Muller did overreact here. Um... So, with a little bit of background on him, let's talk about what really happened to Denise that night.
0: That night, after they threw Denise into the trunk of the car, they drove her 150 miles away to the southern tip of Lake Tahoe, right near the Nevada border. There was a secret hideout.
1: So, this is really reminiscent of what Jamie Kloss' kidnapper did. Go throw her out in the trunk and then drive out into the middle of nowhere. And Denise was actually on a panel with Elizabeth Smart, Gina Dehes, De Dehes has De, I can't, De Jesus. Sorry. There you go. I'm gonna have to get that name down better before we cover that story. Mm-hmm. And also a few others talking about Jamie not too long ago, like after she was found. So. We'll discuss that in the future, probably.
0: This hideout is where Denise would be held for two days. The kidnapper showed her the news that evening, where she saw her father in anguish, telling her to, be strong like you always have.
1: Yeah, and it would have been so terrifying for Denise and her family not knowing where she was or what was going to happen to her. Like, even though she was there, she didn't have a clue Mm -hmm. where she was.
0: In the hideout, Denise was kept in a dark bedroom. They constantly gave her the sedation cocktails to make her docile and unable to resist.
1: Yeah, so we we talked about how she was super calm and the police thought that was suspicious when she was found. But she was still pretty heavily sedated. But even with the sedation, Denise maintained an inner dialogue of endurance for herself. She told herself that no matter what happened, she wasn't going to spend the last moments of her life screaming in terror. Mm. She wanted to retain her dignity, and I don't know if I'd have the same strength or composure to do that. Honestly, you know? You wouldn't. (laughs) That's true.
0: (laughs) Denise used this determination to think through her options and make a decision on what was best for her own personal survival. She realized that if she resisted or fought it, she make get killed. So, for the sake of her survival, she decided to comply and try to connect with her captor.
1: Yeah, just like um, J.C. Dugard. And I need to address the thing that idiots on the internet always say, blaming the victim and saying they wanted it or they did the wrong thing or they have Stockholm Syndrome. Don't even go there. She's doing this to survive, not because she actually feels a connection to her captor. Just like JC Dugard talks about in her book, she did it for her survival. She didn't have Stockholm syndrome, mm-hmm. even though the media loves to slap labels on things and you know make sensational headlines to get readers. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you have Stockholm syndrome when you're pretending to feel for your captor just so you can survive. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't mean you actually are forming a connection to your captor.
0: This tactic seemed to work on her captor. He told her that Aaron and her were good people, and they didn't deserve what was happening. So Denise started to feel like things would be okay.
1: But then it took a really dark turn.
0: Her captor set up a camera and recorded as he raped her. When he was finished, he picked up the camera and watched it back but he wasn't happy with the way it turned out. After this, he got some tape and placed it over Denise's eyes to keep them shut. What? Then he told her, this time, we have to kiss. And he raped her again.
1: That's so awful. Like, why would he tape her eyes shut and then tell her they have to kiss? Like, that seems really counterintuitive. Like, if you tape someone's eyes shut, you're kind of cutting off that connection to them, but then you want to kiss. That doesn't make sense to me, but he told her that his gang was forcing him to do all of this and that they plan to use it as blackmail against her. If she ever went to the police and these people were willing to go to great measures to keep the power over their victims, mm-hmm. which makes it a little confusing why they'd send those emails. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, I don't know.
0: He told her that if she ever went to the police, he would post the video of them having sex on the internet and told her that the video made it look like consensual sex.
1: This is a powerful trap. I mean, can you imagine fearing that everyone you know might see a video of you having sex, especially if they're able to frame it as consensual? And depending on who you are... That could be the most tragic and degrading thing you could imagine. Like, Mm -hmm. the fear of this actually happening would be really intense.
0: Yeah, I would be devastated. After these horrible things, Denise's captor drugged her again. Once she was passed out, he put her back into the car and started driving. When she came to, he told her that he was going to set her free.
1: And of course, Denise was in disbelief. And she truly felt like he was taking her somewhere to kill her.
0: Denise told her kidnapper how she was feeling, that she felt he was going to kill her. But he said, no, that's not the plan.
1: But he can say whatever he wants. In Mm -hmm. Denise's mind, she's thinking about how this is the same person that said it was just a robbery, and then it turned into a kidnapping, and then sexual assault. He told her he wasn't going to dehumanize her, then he raped her on camera twice. So she couldn't believe anything he said, and on this car ride, she just felt terror.
0: But he did release her on March 25th in her hometown, not far from her parents' house in Huntington Beach.
1: And this was suspicious to police, but remember, the kidnappers called Aaron by name. They knew their targets really well. So it's not a stretch to assume they knew where Denise's parents lived and maybe they were just trying to... Maybe they didn't know where her parents lived and they just, you know...
0: But they had the address. Oh,
1: that's a good point. So That's right.
0: As she left the car, he actually said that he wished they could have met under different circumstances and that he wasn't going to do this anymore.
1: And that had to be really confusing for her I don't know if I'd be pissed or just straight up like what the heck why are you even saying this but it it does kind of seem like he felt bad about what he was doing Mm -hmm. I don't know if there was actually another gang involved you know a lot of kidnappers pretend there's something bigger behind it when it's just their own sick twisted fantasies But, I don't know. But anyway, Mueller was charged with the kidnapping. Mm.
0: Mueller's attorney also suggested that he had some serious mental issues, and that's what they planned to build their defense off of. He said that at times, Mueller could be highly productive, and at other times, depression made it hard for him to get out of bed.
1: I mean, that sounds like it's describing me, but... That doesn't mean I'm going to go kidnap someone and make videos of myself raping them. Mm -hmm. How is that a defense? Apparently it's not because he ended up making a plea.
0: In 2016, Matthew Muller pleaded guilty to kidnapping and related charges and was sentenced to 40 years in prison.
1: Yeah, but it is worth noting that after that he denied that he did it oh really so it's kind of it's confusing yeah but obviously this guy is not right in the head and we're not the kind of podcast that talks about law or really mental issues so we're not going to dive into that but maybe someone that does know what they're talking about will cover this in the future and Mm -hmm. dig further into it but Denise actually won a $2.5 million settlement for the terrible way her case was handled. So good. I'm it's glad. Kind of a silver lining, I guess. Well, even though it's a giant black storm cloud,
0: it's just more like, yes, you deserve that. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Like, thank goodness you got something out of this. So, I mean. What about the police, though? Like, what role should police play? Um, I mean, $2.5 million is a lot of money, but it's money from taxpaying citizens. And if the police would have been more careful in this case, they wouldn't have had to pay it out. It's great that the victim is being compensated, but at the same time, it's kind of a giant waste of money for the government because their detectives didn't do their job right. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't have gotten the payout. I'm saying that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have had to pay all this money out that their citizens give them to protect people Mm -hmm. if they would have done their jobs right. So with that said, what role should police be playing?
0: Denise's father made the statement that, quote, they weren't investigating a disappearance or a kidnapping. They were investigating a murder.
1: So the police wasted so much time focusing their attention on Aaron and trying to spin a narrative around their lack of evidence that they gave up the actual search for a missing woman too soon. Then when she reappeared, they doubled down and said the whole thing was a hoax. I mean, we can see how they got there, but... They also had no evidence to, to support it. So can you imagine going through this whole thing, mm. being victimized and threatened, and then being re-victimized by the people you're supposed to be protected and served by?
0: Yeah, it boggles my mind, really.
1: The police were too presumptuous in this situation. They should be collecting evidence,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not speculating on a gut feeling. That's not their job. Right. Also, I'm thinking about how Denise must have felt about the community she was part of when it happened. To know that when she went through the most horrifying event of her life, her community turned on her and suspected her of trying to dupe them, it's unreal. Like, I would think that this would cause some really lasting mental and emotional harm and feeling that those people wouldn't do anything to help you if you were in a bad situation. And I could totally understand if she got really paranoid about this. Like, yeah, it's tough. But on New Year's 2017, Denise received more hate. This was in the form of a f- disturbing Facebook message. So <sighs> do you want to read that?
0: Okay. I do not feel this way about her
1: <laughs> no this is like these i know this to be clear this is a facebook message that denise received from somebody okay. some douchebag on facebook
0: it says are you that horrible lying woman who faked her own kidnapping oh wow you are such a horrible person you are going to hell for the expletive, expletive. you have done I'd like to slap you a few times. I'd like to have my wife beat you up bad, too. And just so you know, you're not as pretty as you think. Oh, my
1: gosh. (laughs) Like, that matters.
0: i put you at a 5 out of 10. You are an ignorant slut and a filthy liar, and I'm glad you're going to hell.
1: Was that an office quote? (laughs) Dwight. But anyway, it's...
0: (sighs) That was... What the heck? What an idiot.
1: Who... Why would anyone feel entitled... To send this message to someone they don't even know. And what, in what world does any of this crap about her being pretty or being a five out of 10 matter? Mm-hmm. She never really, claimed wow. she was pretty. Like she was victimized and it got a lot of news coverage. That doesn't mean she's. Oh, it's so frustrating.
0: Mm-hmm. Very much so.
1: So this message was sent from the Facebook profile of a man from Peoria, Illinois? Is that right? I'm sure we'll get corrected if it's wrong. (laughs) But attempts to reach him were unsuccessful.
0: Huskins posted a response to the message on Facebook saying, I don't post this for pity. I post this to increase awareness. Unfortunately, this is just one example of countless messages like this that I have received. And like the ones before this, unfortunately, this guy won. After reading this, I went to one of my many PTSD episodes of terror. My jaw and back are sore from the deep, powerful shaking and reflexive tension that my whole body goes into, she wrote. My eyes are sore and red from uncontrollable tears. I am thoroughly exhausted. Every inch of my body is tired from the fit of terror it was battling. This was his goal, and I couldn't fight it. Congratulations, person I've never met, never heard of, who hates me so much that he went out of his way to message me this disgusting, demeaning, dehumanizing outrage. I am still disoriented and not sure if I am even making sense. I have to take medication to calm me down.
1: And I just want to interject real quick before you finish this quote, because... Um, seeing her on the that panel or not panel, but I guess just hanging out with Elizabeth Smart and the others, she is really having a rough time. Like she kind of looks haunted, and she's still really traumatized and Oh, I'm sure. And having a tough time with PTSD, and you can't blame her because Mm -hmm. it's one thing going through a horrible situation like this, but another thing having the people that should care about you and should protect you treating you like you're the criminal. Mm -hmm. Like that's some crap that sticks with you and really just destroys your entire perspective on the world, you know?
0: Right. She continues to say, I share this because I want people to know how powerful your words are, especially in the political times we are in. The divides we face in our country. Let's not meet each other with hate and anger. It truly hurts. It has profound impact on each other's lives, their feelings of safety and self-worth.
1: And I mean this is Nicely where I said. wanna Yeah, this is where I wanna end the story because I want those words to resonate with people. Like it doesn't matter what you believe or what you do or who you are you should always be kind to other people there's no reason to be hateful or angry even if you disagree with somebody there's a right way to handle it and a wrong way and if there's any hate or anger involved it's not healthy like even if this guy who messaged her is completely convinced that the police were right the first time The way he messaged her was so hateful and just had so many irrelevant insults in it that, you know, he wasn't doing any favors to make his point. He was just making Mm -hmm. himself look like a total douche. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's... (laughs) What an idiot. That's all I can say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that is it for this week's story. What do you think, Rosie?
0: You're right. A lot of twisties and turnies.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was a pretty fascinating story, and also Very it much. had a lot of interesting things that we can take from it, uh-huh. especially her words here at the end. And
0: I think you are right, sir. So
1: I hope that you guys enjoyed this week. Thank you so much for listening. Do you want to do the, the um, plugs?
0: Sure. You can email us at vovpodcast um, at gmail.com. <laughs> that was, can, really,
1: that was really pro.
0: You can check out our Threadless store, threadless.com slash vov, right? Podcast?
1: Nope. Maybe I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> so our Threadless store is at com. You can follow us on Instagram at VOV Podcasts, Twitter at VOV Pod.
0: And check out our Patreon.
1: Yeah, our Patreon is patreon.com slash VOV And it's also linked on our Instagram and Twitter and all. Facebook. Facebook, Voice of the Victim Support System. Type that into Facebook and you'll find us. And you can go join our group. So, anyway.
0: It is time for tacos.
1: Yes. All right. Um, hi, Ashley. We'll see you in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Talk to you next week.